Can you believe it? <laughs> Christmas Eve is only two days away. It's kind of crazy, isn't it, how fast December goes? But it's not only kind of crazy, but it's really exciting, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I love the season of Advent. Uh, I love the special midweek services where we come together and, and focus our hearts and our attention on, on the Word of God together a little bit more. I love Christmas Day worship. Uh, it, it's so bright and joyful and cheerful as we sing Joy to the World and all those other upbeat, uplifting Christmas songs, but, but I'm guessing you might agree with me that my favorite, the highlight, the pinnacle of the entire season has got to be Christmas Eve, right? I mean, we're going to gather, to he- gather together here, it's going to be dark outside, and we're going to come into a, a warm and you know, lit church, there'll be candles, uh, the church will be full, right? snow will be falling outside, no, <laughs> rain is going to be falling outside, they say. Uh, we're going to sing those hymns that you love, like Silent Night, and O Come All Ye Faithful, and Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and O Little Town of Bethlehem, and many more. But the highlight and the pinnacle of that Christmas Eve service, those words that we long to hear again, that we've heard thousands of times, words that you probably memorized when you were just a little child, words that our hearts long to hear The words of that Christmas gospel, the words that begin in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, right? And you could keep on going with me if if we did, right? Those beautiful words that we know so well and we love so much and that brings so much joy and hope to our hearts and to our lives, right? Can't wait to read those in just two days to meditate on them again. But we still got two days to go. Two days till Christmas Eve. Uh, And today, what we have before us in our gospel lesson is the only other account of Jesus' birth in the Bible. It's the one from Luke chapter 2 and this one from Matthew chapter 1. And this one's just a little different, isn't it? Did you catch what the birth story is? She gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. That's it. There's no choir of angels. There's no shepherds running to find the manger. There's no intrigue about where are they going to get birth and placing him in a manger and wrapping him in claws. There's none of that. She gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. That's it. That's the birth story here in Matthew chapter 1. Now you know why we read Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve and not Matthew chapter 1 on Christmas Eve. But it doesn't make these words any less important. Because actually, these words are wonderful ones to read just two days before Christmas Eve, before we're going to hear those words we treasure so much from Luke chapter 2, because these words set the backdrop. They tell us why this birth is so important, why this child needed to be born, what it means for us now and forever. The angel comes to Joseph in a dream. And what's recorded is just two sentences. Not a whole lot, right? And the words are brought to Joseph not just to comfort him because he's sad and he's hurt and he's broken because he thinks that his, his, the woman that he is pledged to be married to, that she's been unfaithful to him and been with another man because he's found out that she's pregnant. And she's claiming, I haven't been with another man, right? And so he's feeling really bad this night. 
The angel certainly comes to give him that comfort that, no, that's not what happened, but, but that's secondary. Because this message that this angel brings has a bigger purpose on a grander scale of what has really happened here and who this child really is. In just two sentences, this angel reveals everything to Joseph, everything he needs to know. And, and, and as Joseph wakes up that day, not as only is he relieved that he doesn't have to go and file for divorce from Mary, but there's got to be joy on his, in his heart, in his mind, on his lips, as he recalls these words of the angel in that dream. And you've got to guess the first place he ran was to Mary, right? <laughs> he had to have run to Mary that morning after he woke up, right? First off, to apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't believe you, Mary. You, you understand, right? Uh, but also to revel in joy and praise along with her. Because now the second person on earth has found out the news. The Messiah is on his way. And there's three statements, three, three phrases that the angel speaks to Joseph in this dream that, that just had to fill him with, with such joy and hope as he considered what was about to happen. The angel calls him Joseph, son of David. Now, Joseph's father's name wasn't David. <laughs> According to the genealogy in, in the book of Luke, his father's name was Heli. But Joseph knew what the angel meant. And you know what the angel meant because you know those words of Luke chapter 2 that, that Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because he was of the house and line of David, right? He is one of the ancestors of David. And, and you don't have to ask Who's David? Oh, it's the David. It's King David, the, the one who ruled over Israel a thousand years before this. David, the one to whom was promised, one will come from your line whose throne and kingdom will be established forever. The angel comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, remember who you are. Remember the royalty that flows through your bloodline. Remember the promise given to your ancestor, David. There'll be one who comes to establish a kingdom and throne forever. And then the Holy Spirit also gives him this phrase. He says that what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. No doubt when, when uh, Mary was trying to explain to Joseph what was going on, right? That she's pregnant, but, but the, that she hadn't been with another man, right? I'm guessing she would have recalled that prophecy of Isaiah. Remember Joseph when it was written that, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son? Well, Joseph, um, I think I'm that virgin. Right? And Joseph didn't believe her the day before, but, but he sure does now because what he hears from this angel is that this is not just an act of God. This was God. This was God coming into flesh. This was God stepping into our world to take care of a problem we can't fix. Do you realize how the God of the Bible is so different than, than every other God that's out there? Because every other religion, every other God, you have to reach up to them. You have to work your way up and, and reach them. But the God of the Bible, the God that we see revealed in these scriptures, 
is a God who is willing to come to us. A God who is willing to come into our sinful, broken, dark world to fix what we cannot. And Matthew makes that very clear, doesn't he? He, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't want his, his Jewish readers to miss it. He, he, Matthew wrote originally to, to Jews to convince them that Jesus was the Christ. And they would have known those Old Testament scriptures. And he doesn't want us to miss it either. He, he kind of breaks into the story there in verse 22 and says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then in parentheses, which means, just in case you're not sure, it means God with us. God himself was coming to dwell here on this earth in human flesh. This is an act of God, and it is God himself who has done this. And then the Holy Spirit gives him this other promise, this other comfort about what this Messiah would come to do. This one, this child who would be born, what he would grow up and do. He says that you are to give him the name Jesus. And it's not because Jesus was a nice sounding name or it was unique. It really wasn't a unique name at the time. The name Jesus is the, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. It's the same name, just a different language. And it means the Lord saves. And that is exactly what he would come to do. The angel makes that very clear to Joseph. He says that you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Just think about that phrase just a moment. He will save. He will save his people. He will save his people from their sins. Joseph is given the name to give to this child because that is what he would come to do. To save his people from their sins. This was the promised one. This is the one that was promised way back in the Garden of Eden who would come to crush the head of the serpent. This is the one who was promised through Abraham when, when God told him that all nations will be blessed through you. This is the one through whom the prophet Jeremiah prophesied that Surely the days are coming, declares the Lord, where for David I will raise up a righteous branch and his name will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. This is the Messiah, the one promised for thousands of years to come and save his people. Two short sentences reveal so much about what was taking place. Can you imagine the joy in the heart and the mind and on the lips of Joseph that morning as he woke up from that dream to realize what was happening? God fulfilling every one of his promises. God himself entering into our world. God himself coming to save sinners and reconcile them to himself. Are you feeling that joy today? Is that joy in your hearts and your minds and on your lips today? Is it? Because this is what Christmas is all about. We're two days away from this celebration. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's not just about a little baby being born in a stable and, and some shepherds. It's a rescue mission. 
It is God himself coming to us to save us. And I know these days are busy. I know that right now, sitting here, you're thinking, there's a whole lot of things I got to do right now, and maybe I should be off doing those things instead of sitting here. I know that, that this week is probably full, right? And there are presents to wrap, maybe even buy yet, and there's cookies to bake, and there's house, you know, house to clean, and there's people to go and places to be. It's crazy busy this time of year. But you know what you need more than that batch of cookies done? <laughs> you know what you need more than making sure all those presents are perfectly bought and wrapped? You know what you need more than a clean house? You need to know that not everything is going to be just right for your Christmas celebration, but everything is just right between you and God. And that's what Christmas is all about. That you're right with God. And not because of anything you have done, but because of what he has done. You're not right with God because you have been so faithful to him and you've been, you've been so good and, and, and you've done everything you think that God has asked you to do. No, you have fallen far short. But that God has been faithful to you and has kept every single promise he's made to you. You are not right with God because, because you've done your best and you've tried your hardest, right? And, and God's going to accept you for that because you've lived a good life, at least compared to other people. But you are right with God because God himself took on flesh and didn't just live a good life, but a perfect life for you. That he didn't come just to set an example for you to follow and say, be good because I was good, but to be your substitute, to do what you cannot, to live those laws perfectly in your place. You see, you are not right with God because you sacrifice so much for people around you and because you sacrifice so much for your relationship with God. No, you are right with God because he was willing to come to this earth, take on flesh, and to be the sacrifice for your sins. To go to a cross and to suffer hell and to die so that you could have life. That is how you know you are right with God. Because of everything that he has done for you. Don't miss that this Christmas. Christmas is about rescue. Ransom. From sin and death and the devil and guilt and shame. All of it. Gone. Because this child is born. Because this child took your place. Because this child grew up to live for you, to die for you, to give you hope and peace and joy. Don't miss that this Christmas. How God came for you to do all this for you so that you might have that joy. That joy in your heart, in your mind, and on your lips. You know, as Lutherans, sometimes we're um, accused of, of, accused is a strong word, I'm going to use it anyways, accused of, of singing songs that are kind of dull and kind of dreary and old, right? Uh, it, it, I've gotten it before. Why don't we sing more songs that, you know, are like on the radio, Christian contemporary songs that, that um, you know, people know and they can sing along to better because, you know, they hear them on the radio. And I'm not ripping on those songs at all. There are some really good songs that are on Christian contemporary radio that we could use in worship, but let's just take, for example, 
the hymn that we're going to sing next in just, a, in just a couple of minutes. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The text of this hymn is around 700 years old. Think about that for a second. The words that we are going to sing in a little bit have, have been sung by Christians for around 700 years. That's 450 years before this nation was even founded. That's 200 years before Martin Luther was even born. 700 years. And we don't just sing them because they're old. We don't just sing them because many other Christians have before us. We sing them because of the power that is in the words. Because of the truths that a hymn like this reveals. Right? O come, O come, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Come to us and set us free from ransom right? and ransom us, we who are captive. Right? We who are in the, in, in the prison of our sin and our shame and our guilt and our regret, come and set us free, Emmanuel. Right? We sing in the second verse, O come, root of Jesse. Right? Jesse was, was the actual father of King David. Right? Referring again to that lineage, that, that heritage, the promises that God had made for thousands of years. Come, set us free from the tyranny of Satan. Come and set us free from, from the fear of hell and fear, fear of the grave. Oh, come, O oh, day spring from on high, we sing. That, that day spring, that name means that he has come to bring light into our darkness. That he has come to, to show us the way to the Father. That he has come to set us free from our sins, to come and to bring light and life and peace and forgiveness now and always. And we sing, O come, O key of David, right? that one who unlocks heaven to us, that one who has done everything so that we can stand holy and righteous before our heavenly Father and live in his presence forever, that one who locks up that door to hell, that we have nothing to fear. We sing these beautiful words that are not about what you do, but about what Christ has done for you. What Emmanuel has come to do in your place, to set you free, to rescue you. And that's why each refrain sings, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you. Rejoice, because this is what your God has done for you. And that is what he has done, and that's what he still does. Because we place our faith in events, truths, historical fact of things that happened 2,000 years ago, but Emmanuel still comes to us today. Through word, through sacrament, he comes and he rescues us, right? As you hear those words of the absolution that you are forgiven, you are his own dear child, you are a child of the Heavenly Father, you are rescued from those sins, Emmanuel, come to me and give me that comfort of my forgiveness. In baptism, little Rowan, Rescued from his sins. Emmanuel comes in word and sacrament, in water and bread and wine, connected with that power of that gospel to forgive, to set free, to make us holy in God's sight. Emmanuel, continue to come to us in word and sacrament and assure us that you dwell with us and strengthen us and forgive us and love us. And because in this season of Advent, You've got that double meaning, right? We're, we're not only getting ready for that first advent, that first coming of Jesus on Christmas, but also that, that second advent, that he will come again. And not as a lowly baby in a manger, but with all of his glory, all of his power, with all of his angels as he comes on that last day. And then when Emmanuel comes to us on that last time, 
This is the promise we have. Take you to Revelation chapter 21 and think about Emmanuel, God with us, and what this is going to look like in heaven forever. John is, is led by the Spirit to see this vision. He says, look, God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. We will get to dwell with God face to face forever. Emmanuel, come. Come and forgive our sins. Come and rescue us. Come and set us free so that our hearts might rejoice, not just here at this Christmas, but throughout our lives and for eternity. God will grant it. Amen.